Welcome to the show. This has been an exciting morning. We've learned two really important facts. First, you might have thought that all-nighters were designed for cramming for high school and college <laughs> uh, final exams and term papers. That turns out to not be true. They're actually also designed for the Massachusetts legislature. And interestingly and fascinating, the Massachusetts legislature, something else we learned today, I learned today anyway, has superpowers. It can turn days into a day of 24 hours into a day of 36 hours, just magically. With us to explain all this and what has happened is State Senator Joe Comerford. We really appreciate your being with us, particularly since, as we understand it, Senator, you have pulled an all-nighter and are on day two of staying awake. Is that right? <laughs> it is true, Bill. Um, I, uh, we have gone all night. We started session yesterday morning um, in the Senate, and we are still going strong uh, after having gone all night. And it's still July 31st, it's right? <laughs> According to the Massachusetts You are correct. <laughs> correct. There is a, uh, a way in which the legislature can just ask people to believe that it's the same day. Um, and then we have other ways to suspend rules about meeting past, say, 8 or 12. And so we can suspend those rules. So last night and this morning... We suspended the rules for 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6 a.m., and, you know, <laughs> and the clock keeps ticking, and we just keep, we just keep going. We're, um, we're nearing the end, however, hopefully. Tell us first what the legislature accomplished positively during this marathon session. What bills were passed that uh, you want to bring to your constituents' attention? Well, you know, this is, this is what's called the end of formal session. The legislature meets in two-year chunks. This is the 21-22 chunk. It's the 192nd session. And uh, by our rules, we're supposed to stop meeting in formal session after July 31st. That was yesterday, of course. In our world, we're still in July 31st. And the reasons for that are numerous, and we don't have to go into them now. Um, but what has happened this year, um, and it has happened in previous years, however, this year was rather acute. Um, we raced together, the House and the Senate, to get as much done as we possibly can, because formal sessions are where you debate and you vote on, um, on issues, and that means they are the most consequential, uh, and that means it's the biggest business to get done. And so um, when we're not in formal session, we meet in what's called informal session, and hundreds of bills will go in formal session, in, in, in informal session, um, but formal session's where it's at. And so um, we race and are racing right now um, to get as much done as we possibly can uh, before we stop meeting in formal session. Um, and again, we're leaving some things on the table, uh, Bill, um, and I, I personally hope we come back. Okay. Well, the things that are left on the table in formal session can be reintroduced in the new session of the legislature, which will begin in January, I take it. Informal session. That is, yeah, that is correct. However, that's a poor option in my mind uh, because we grind slowly over these two years, and so bills of great consequence um, – like one I have pending that didn't get done, you know, we have to pass that right now for people. Uh, so I'm, I'm hoping 
um, that we have the political uh, and social will to come back, uh, to gavel back in so we can change the rules and have that happen uh, and finish our business for this session. Uh, but as it is, um, we got a whole lot done uh, last night um, and into this morning. So tell us what has gotten done, what bills have passed, and then we can get back to the bills that, well, didn't. Sure. So um, there were a number of bills pending uh, that are what's called bond bills. Every two years, um, we borrow along a number of different areas. Um, and so those bond bills were pending, and, and a number of them did move. Um, so we had an IT, for example, an IT bond bill um, that was dealing with the judiciary and updating a pretty archaic system in the judiciary. In that bill also um, were provisions to set us straight uh, regarding gun safety after the Bruin decision. Um, so that moved. Um, we passed a very big mental health package, um, and that was substantial and hard won. Um, and you'll remember that we've already appropriated $400 million toward mental health, so this gives us the framework um, to be able to get that done. Um, and so, you know, we, we did a number of things. Uh, yesterday, well, actually, I think it was today, but it was yesterday in, in, the, in the Senate side, um, we also sent a climate bill, a very big um, sort of once-in-a-session climate bill back um, to the governor after the governor vetoed certain provisions. We sent it back to him um, uh, with our own take on his provisions after voting uh, to send it back. Um, and so the business kept churning um, in that, that sort of that bigger bucket regard. Okay, so as I have it in my notes from what you just said, you passed, the Senate passed, a gun safety bill that will make Massachusetts compliant with the Supreme Court decision, but will also ensure that licenses to carry are not uh, uh, given to people who shouldn't be carrying guns. Um, you passed a mental health services bill. You passed, repassed the climate bill, uh, essentially overriding the governor's veto. Anything else we should know about that was affirmatively accomplished before we get to the uh, bills, the proposed legislation that was that is still oh, on the table? Sure. There's, it's, it's actually quite a long list. Um, we finished sports betting. That was in some level of contentiousness between the House and the Senate. Could we stop there um, for one second? Sports betting, the, sure. the uh, controversy and the difference between the House and the Senate bill was that the uh, one of the uh, chambers said, yes, you can bet on college and university sports, and the other one said, no, you can't, but you can bet on everything else. How did that come out? It, um, it was really classically done. Uh, I did not negotiate this bill. I was not on this conference committee. Uh, but uh, how it came out is um, Massachusetts schools are not part of uh, the cohort of, of college sports able to be bet on. Um, here in Massachusetts, we can bet on other schools, but not our schools. Um, and all professional so, sports. Yeah, it Yes, in all professional sports, exactly. Um, we also um, accepted a cannabis bill. Um, I was on the conference committee for this bill. Uh, so you remember that when the House and the Senate passed two different versions of the same-ish bill, 
um, it goes to conference. And the conferees are appointed by the Senate president and by the speaker. Um, and so I'd not been on the conference committee before, but I was appointed to cannabis um, this time. I'm really proud of the cannabis bill that we passed. Uh, we hadn't touched cam- cannabis legislation since before I was elected. So this was my opportunity to be part of that. Um, and this was a bill that was trying to um, right the ship a little bit around host community agreements, which are the agreements that cannabis, um, uh, cannabis businesses forge with communities. Um, and we tried to tighten the regulations around those. And then also we really took a hard look at social equity and the ways in which, um, you know, startup entrepreneurs, folks with less capital, uh, entrepreneurs of color have been boxed out of a lucrative market. And we asked ourselves why they were, and we did some work around that. And so that conference committee returned as well um, a, uh, a good bill, I think. And so the Senate passed that bill, the House passed that bill, and now goes to the governor's desk? Exactly. There's a big stack of bills on the governor's desk right now. Okay. So you've told us about five significant areas of legislation in the Senate yesterday. Gun safety, mental health services, the climate bill, going back to the governor, the sports betting bill, cannabis equity bill, uh, particularly important so that uh, persons of color are not excluded from this new industry in Massachusetts. Anything else that passed that you're... I uh, think we should know about in particular before we spend our last few minutes on the bills that didn't. I I think we probably should leave it there. There were other bills that uh, the other thing you should know is that this whole week we've been doing work like this. We've been churning uh, through bills um, that have been waiting in the wings, if you will, uh, between House and Senate negotiations. And so drafts were going back and forth like lightning. Actually, literally, paper drafts were being run between branches uh, and to the lawyers. So it's been like that, um, you know, since Tuesday of last week. Want to tell us some bills that haven't passed or are still well, and whether they are still possible to pass? Uh, things that you're disappointed in? Sure. So one area um, that we didn't get done, and I have to say, I have. Uh, intense disappointment around this, although I, you know, I appreciate my colleagues very much for everything they were able to get done or we were able to get done. Um, We did a very large economic development bond bill, very large. And it was some bonding, which, as you know, is authorization to borrow. It was some spending of the surplus, and it was some ARPA expenditures. Um, We also did policy in this bill. And this was an area of focus for many colleagues. Um, It was certainly an area of focus for my team. Every bill is an opportunity to work in um, something that matters to the district, every single bill moving. Uh, So every um, every bill is a place to influence. And sometimes we attach amendments, um, like, for example, the Holyoke Soldiers Home Bill also moved. Did the Holyoke Soldiers Home Bill, I understand it, it passed. It did, yeah. It was one of the ones on the list I wasn't talking to you about, but that passed. And when it came through, I was able to influence that bill through an amendment. I said, huh, I don't think this is strong enough yet with regard to licensure of these healthcare facilities. And so I worked with the bill's sponsors, I worked with leadership, and I put in a pretty big amendment that was adopted that made it through conference, which is that 
these soldiers' homes now have to be licensed by DPH. Uh, and regardless of where they're run out of, and you know the direct, the, uh, there is now a, a secretariat of Veterans Affairs that has a direct line, except with regard to the licensure. The argument there with the governor, as I understand it, Senator, was how soon the uh, uh, this new position regarding soldiers' home representation would become a cabinet position, and the governor wanted more time for that to happen. Uh, yeah, did, did that's, he... a, that's sort of a universal thing, um, and that's actually, you know, that is a place where I think the legislature can wiggle sometimes. And so we wiggled on timing there and in the climate bill a little bit, in the IT bond bill. So it's part of what, you know, we're, we're supposed to put down a proposal and the administration is supposed to tell us in good faith, hey, can you get that done? Well, all right, maybe you need another six months. And ultimately, uh, delaying a little bit is completely worth it if we get the win for the people. Let me ask you this, Senator. We just have a minute left. The bonding, the big bonding bill, the so economic development bill. The big bill economic development bond bill. Did um, not pass. That, that left on the table billions of dollars, um, millions of which were coming back to our district directly through earmarks that uh, I was able to secure. It also uh, it has two big bills of mine in it that didn't get done, um, that passed the Senate. All of this passed the Senate. Uh, and so we were hoping for a, you know, a conference committee that would return earmarks and legislation intact, and that just didn't happen. Uh, so we're going to have to fight, I think, um, together, House and Senate, uh, to hopefully come back in this session and finish the work if we can't do it in informal. You'll remember that bills will pass in informal. However, this is quite a consequential bill. Um, and we can't do bonding. We can't borrow without voting. Um, so I think people have to decide what kind of or pieces of that economic development bond bill can move. Um, and, and if they can't move enough, then I think we have to come back and finish our work. Okay. Are you, it's, it's 20 after the hour. You have to run back. Are you still in session? Is this still July 31st yeah. in the Massachusetts legislature? We're still in July 31st. Though. It's July 32nd now. <laughs> Thank you, Monty. That's, that's better. Maybe we should, I should go back and tell people that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Senator. Thank you for your time. Goodbye, Thanks everybody. for being with us. This is Bill Newman, WHMP. When it's happening here in the Valley, we're talking about it. What, what I'm trying to communicate is that there are many, many layers of, of safety management in place at Eversource to ensure that we reduce as much risk as, as possible. Does the Bliss Street Station intentionally vent gas regularly? Because I can tell you that it vents gas. Pretty much every time I've gone to that area, I have smelled gas. 1015, 1400, and 1240. We are the Valley. We are WHMP. But what are we drinking in the wine bunker today? Random white wine. Yes. All right. Hello, I'm Random White Guy, and I'm going to be drinking Random White Wine. Every Friday morning, Monty visits the wine snobs to talk about wine at State Street. The first one here is the uh, Gomez Cruzado from the Haro region of Rioja, and this is a white wine. Now, most people might be familiar with Viora, but this is also blended with 25% Tempranillo Blanco. I always forget that that's even a thing. Don't we all? The first sip almost seems 
puckering dry, but it really rounds out. A couple more sips into it, it and it is lush and creamy. But it's not so creamy without acid. There's like a, there is yeah. a little bit of acid in there. When it's too creamy, I get really bored, and it's like what they call flabby. But with the acid, it braces it, and it makes it really good. Yeah, this, this I want like scallops. You mean scallops? I don't care. I want them. I care. Scallops. There we go. Thank you. Find your favorite wine and your next favorite wine at State Street. If you're into free, you'll love Greenfield Savings Bank's free checking. Of course, there are no monthly fees and no fees for check or deposit transactions. But that's just the beginning. With GSB free checking, you get free online banking, free e-statements, and free GSB mobile app, which lets you bank from anywhere, anytime, including depositing checks from your mobile device. Plus, GSB Online Banking and the GSB mobile app come with the free GSB Credit Center, where you can get your credit score and credit report for free. And the GSB mobile app also lets you control your GSB debit card remotely from your mobile device, which also comes free with your GSB free checking account. You can also set up alerts and controls for your free GSB debit card. Open your account online or at any of our offices. And did I mention the free welcome gift when you open your account? Switch to free at Greenfield Savings Bank. Greenfield Savings Bank. GreenfieldSavings.com. Member FDIC. Member DIF. Mobile carrier charges may apply. Want to support the kind of local talk you hear on The Bill Newman Show? Want to hear your business's message here on WHMP? Email us, yourmessage at whmp.com. We'll help you craft a marketing message that'll reach listeners of your favorite WHMP show. And we'll be supporting the local news, valley talk, and progressive voices you hear right here on WHMP. Let us know about your message. Email us, yourmessage at whmp.com. And add your message to our mission. And hear your message right here on WHMP. Your message at whmp.com. This is Bill Newman, WHMP. We will be joined in a few moments by the mayor of Northampton, Gina Louise G.L. Shera. First, we have a bit of a fish wrap for you. Today's newspaper is tomorrow's fish wrap front page of the Daily Hampshire Gazette, front page of the Greenfield Roof Quarter. I assume, although it's sitting out in the other room, front page of the Boston, uh, Boston Globe as well. Celtics legend Bill Russell dies at 88. NBA great, first black coach in any major U.S. sport, helped Boston win 11 championships. This is an Associated Press story. Let me read the first two sentences. Boston, Dateline Boston, Bill Russell redefined how basketball is played, and then he changed the way sports are viewed in a racially divided country. The most prolific winner in NBA history Russell marched with Martin Luther King Jr., supported Muhammad Ali, and received the Presidential Medal of Freedom from President Barack Obama. The centerpiece of the Boston Celtics dynasty that won 11 championships in 13 years. Wow. Russell earned his last two NBA titles as a player coach, the first black coach in any major U.S. sport. We forget Boston as this deeply segregated, racist city uh, fighting with violence against school busing became a different city. It's not, not like it's eradicated racism from its midst, but it, it became a significantly different city because of a sports figure, an amazing athlete to be sure, but also an extraordinary human being, Bill Russell. And I think that these accolades for him are all deserved and he did, in fact, change not only basketball, 
He changed the country significantly. And it seems to me that this is something that we should, in, in, in passing, that needs to be memorialized, thought about, and considered because few people do what he did, and, f and that is to use their celebrity for social justice, and he accomplished that goal. You had calls on this today, Monty? Yes, people were uh, mourning the death of Bill Russell, and I think it's easy to forget in the era of Tom Brady and how many championships he won with the New England Patriots and is frequently referred to as the GOAT, the greatest of all time. And in football, there is certainly an argument to be made for that. But Tom Brady has won six championships with the Patriots and one without. We won't even go into that. But Bill Russell won 11. Two as a player coach? I mean, it's unbelievable. Not to mention the fact of how many barriers he had to cross to make that happen. Uh, he's a legend. He'll certainly be missed. And I feel like he's underappreciated. And I was, I was reading through social media talking about the death of Bill Russell saying, you know, there's a tunnel in Boston named the Ted Williams Tunnel. And Ted Williams was great, no doubt about it. But he won zero championships. Why isn't there a Bill Russell Tunnel going through Boston? There's a statue of Red Auerbach in uh, Faneuil Hall Marketplace. Why isn't there a statue of Bill Russell there? Maybe it's too tall to fit. But Maybe they'll do it posthumously. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, there could be a statue. I just don't know of one. I don't know of one either. I, I certainly have been through the Ted Williams Tunnel. Thank you, Boston. For, <laughs> thank you, federal government, for the big dig and, right. the, and the Ted Williams Tunnel. All that having been said, to go back just for a moment to the uh, importance of Bill Russell, I, I think that... Uh, we do not appreciate uh, in our day-to-day -day lives the way in which an individual has really changed. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a, I don't subscribe to the great man, and that's what it's called, great man theory of history, that certain men change the world. But certain people do change the world. And Bill Russell uh, is important because sports are so very important in this country. I mean, the amount of time that we spend... Uh, talking about, reading about, debating, uh, and supporting sports teams for many people, not all, of course, uh, is I, I'm not sure what it says about the country except that we desperately need distractions. <laughs> um, on the other hand, people have been adamant about baseball for uh, a century plus, what, 18, late, late 19th century, so we're talking about 130, 140 years, and people really care about sports, and they really care about what their sports figures say, hence all the publicity every time they do something right or wrong, often wrong uh, these days, but not Bill Russell. And he remained true to his beliefs, and hence Barack Obama, President Obama, bestowed the Presidential Medal of Freedom. I think it's important to note that the representation matters, too, to be able to imagine yourself by seeing somebody on screen, on TV, on the court that reminds you of you, gives you this idea that you can be that as well. And if sports is not your thing and Bill Russell doesn't matter to you, maybe you are a fan of television, maybe you're a Trekkie. Over the weekend, we also lost Nichelle Nichols, who was a Lieutenant Ahura on the original Star Trek, and she was the first main character black woman on television by design. Gene Roddenberry, the creator of Star Trek, wanted her in that position. And famously, she was about to quit Star Trek in the midst of the first season and went to 
an NC an, an, an NCAA no an NAACP <laughs> sports and this max up an NAACP conference and somebody at the conference was like there is a, a trekkie here who would like to meet you and so she was expecting it to be some young man some young white man probably but it was Dr Martin Luther King Jr who was saying this is the only show my family watches together it's one of the only shows Coretta is really invested in and we love you on the show thanks for being there and she said well you know i'm leaving the show and martin luther king jr said you can't don't you understand what you mean to the world that we all get to see you up there on that screen and she because of that stayed with the show and then goes on to inspire may jemison who is the first black female astronaut because may jemison was able to see Nichelle Nichols on television, on Star Trek, she was able to dream it and be it. And then Mae Jemison eventually was on Star Trek The Next Generation for an episode, too. So everything comes full circle. So we lost two heroic people, not perfect people, not great man slash woman, but people that I think we should aspire to be like, that we can inspire others to go on and do great things and make their dreams come true. On our next segment, we'll be speaking with the mayor of Northampton, Gina Louise Sherra. Stay with us. We'll be right back. This is Bill Newman, WHMP. For WHMP News, I'm Jess Tyler. Lawmakers working through the night have come to an agreement on sports betting. House Speaker Ron Mariano tweeted that the Sports Betting Conference Committee has reached an agreement on legislation that will legalize wagering on professional and collegiate sports in Massachusetts. Mariano says this will bring huge economic benefits to the state. Governor Baker has said in the past he would sign a sports betting bill if one were to make it to his desk. An investigation is ongoing after reports of two cars drag racing came in last night around 8 p.m. to the Massachusetts State Police. A trooper observed two black BMWs drag racing on I-91 southbound in Northampton. The trooper tried to stop the vehicles after a pursuit was authorized, but was unsuccessful. The suspect vehicles exceeded speeds of 110 miles per hour. For safety reasons, the pursuit was terminated. An $11.3 billion transportation resources and climate bond bill is now on Governor Baker's desk after state legislators passed it on the last day of the formal legislative session. Included in the bond bill is $275 million for the development of a potential passenger rail between Boston, Springfield, and Pittsfield. The money would help fund the planning, design, permitting, engineering, public hearings, vehicle procurement, construction, and building costs for the ambitious project, championed by State Senator Eric Lesser. If you invest in fast, reliable transportation, people will use it. Our economy needs it. Now is the time to invest in this project and to unlock the potential for our communities. Lawmakers plan to also use federal infrastructure bill funds to pursue the project. For today, partly sunny. It'll be more humid. Highs 82 to 86. Tonight, partly cloudy. Overnight lows 62 to 66. And the other for Tuesday, sunshine and clouds. Chance for an afternoon shower thunderstorm. Highs in the upper 80s. I'm 22 News Storm Team Meteorologist Adam Stremko on 101.5 WHMP. This News Minute is brought to you by our partners at Holyoke Media. Yo soy Johan Reshivega con la síntesis informativa de Holyoke Media. 
Massachusetts tiene una nueva ley en los libros que protege a los proveedores de salud reproductiva, incluidos los abortos y la atención de afirmación de género de acciones legales fuera del estado en un mundo posterior a Roe vs. Wade. Después de que el gobernador republicano Charlie Baker firmó el proyecto de ley el viernes enviado por los demócratas. La oficina de Baker anunció el viernes que dio su aprobación a la legislación que crea nuevos escudos legales para los proveedores que podrían enfrentar demandas que se originen en otros estados donde las legislaturas lideradas por los republicanos están tomando medidas enérgicas contra el acceso a los abortos después de que la Corte Suprema de los Estados Unidos anuló la ley de hace décadas de la decisión Roe vs. Wade. El proyecto de ley que firmó también requiere que las aseguradoras cubran los abortos sin trasladar los costos a los pacientes. Ordena al Departamento de Salud Pública que emita una orden permanente que permita a cualquier farmacéutico con licencia en Massachusetts dispensar anticonceptivos de emergencia y aclara las leyes estatales que rigen los abortos tardíos en un esfuerzo para garantizar que el procedimiento sea accesible en Massachusetts. En otras informaciones, los reguladores de Estados Unidos dijeron el viernes que ya no están considerando autorizar una segunda vacuna de refuerzo COVID-19 para todos los adultos menores de 50 años este verano, centrándose en cambio en vacunas renovadas para el otoño que se enfocarán en las subvariantes virales más nuevas. Pfizer y Moderna esperan tener disponibles versiones actualizadas de sus vacunas a partir de septiembre, dijo la Administración de Drogas y Alimentos en un comunicado. Eso prepararía el escenario para una campaña de refuerzo de otoño para fortalecer la protección contra las últimas versiones de Omicron. La FDA instó a los adultos elegibles que no han recibido refuerzos a que reciban su vacuna adicional ahora. Yo soy Johan Rashi Vega y esta fue la síntesis informativa de Holyoke Media a través de WHMP. This News Minute has been brought to you by our partners at Holyoke Media. This is Bill Newman, WHMP. And this is Because It's Monday, Mayor's Monday here on the show. And we have with us the mayor of Northampton, Gina Luis, GL Shera. Thank you so much for being with us, Madam Mayor. Big announcement, front page of the Daily Hampshire Gazette on Saturday that uh, Carolyn Mish uh, was appointed by you, still subject to city council approval, the new uh, director of uh, development and sustainability. I'm not sure I have the name of the department. Planning and sustainability. Planning and sustainability uh, in Northampton. Uh, the part that I was particularly struck by was the report that I think I remembered, but not sure, which is there was a nationwide search for this uh, position and the person who was being appointed by you, who is being appointed by you, Carolyn Mish, of course, has worked for the city for a long time. I'm wondering how those two things work together, a longtime employee of the city being one of the persons being considered along with this or as part of a nationwide search. Uh, could you explain that to us, please? Sure. First of all, good morning. Happy August 1st. Good to be with both of you. Um, yes, I'm, I'm very happy and proud to announce that Carolyn has been appointed. Um, she has worked for the city for 22 years. And, you know, I have, I've worked with her now for over eight years as a city councilor now as mayor. And she's, um, is just remarkable at her work. She's incredibly patient. I can't tell you the hours that she has spent with me over the years explaining things. Um, she's incredibly dedicated. And so, The fact that we did a nationwide search is, is really shouldn't be any dis, viewed as any disrespect to her. This is just a huge job. You know, as you know, Wayne had, uh, Wayne Fiden, the previous director, had been the director for 33 years. Um, this is a very, this is a really key position in the city. And 
um, people are very, very interested in it. So it was important to just kind of, I felt to post this position um, and to do a, uh, you know, a full search to, to see who would be interested in, in filling those shoes um, that Wayne uh, was leaving. So um, we made sure that this was posted um, on, on, you know, networks across the country. We encouraged people to share it with their groups and networks. Um, and um, we, we got a bunch of applications and um, a, a few who were cer certainly like at the level that we wanted to bring them in and interview them. Um, and, you know, I, so there's how this process works with a, um, a department head appointment is, you know, this, the mayor gets to a point and I have followed what previous mayors have done, have done, which was create a screening committee. This is now my third department head that I've hired. Um, and so a screening committee to kind of take a first pass through applications, do a first round of interviews, and then and they put forward recommendations um, for me to, to interview and make a final decision. Um, and so this screening committee um, was larger than usual. Again, like this is such a key position with so many people looking at it that I felt it was really important to have um, kind of strong and diverse representation on this uh, screening committee. So I had, instead of one counselor, I had two. I had a resident member of the Disability Commission, which was had been a request of the Disability Commission. Um, there was a planning director from another community. Usually you have at least one outside person with um, who, who serves that role in a different community. There was an open space advocate, planning board member, two department heads. So it was a really robust screening committee and they unanimously put forth Carolyn um, as the person that they, they felt um, would best serve the city. And then I had my own interview with, with her and I'm just really just so pleased that she wants to continue doing this work here in Northampton. She's a truly remarkable public servant and I'm very grateful to her. Are you at liberty to tell us how many applications the city received for this position? How many interviews were done? Any more detail on that that is public that you can share? Um, now I'm trying to remember. I, I think there were, uh, gosh, I, I might be confusing two different positions. Uh, there might have been nine applications um, and there were three people who were interviewed. This now goes to the city council for approval. When will that happen? Yes. So um, I believe it will be on their next agenda, which is August 18th, for um, for them to refer it to their city services committee, which is their committee that that vets appointments. Um, so then it would go to city services, and then I sometime I guess in September would come back to the full council for approval because this position because departmental heads require city council approval in the city in, for Northampton so any appointments you know appointments to to boards committees commissions things like that um, if if they are public bodies also require this so um, they go to the city so the mayor appoints and then the city council um, has to confirm an appointment one of the uh, uh, points of contention with regard to Wayne Fiden, who obviously served the city uh, for decades uh, uh, in this position uh, and in a, a similar sort of role before he became the director, um, has been how the infill planning uh, has gone or how the infill 
program, if that's the correct word, uh, has been implemented. And I'm wondering whether this is an issue that you've had the opportunity to speak about with uh, Carolyn Mish and what the city's position is with regard to infill and uh, preservation of uh, traditional neighborhoods. Could you talk to us about that for a moment? Sure. I mean, this is certainly something I've talked to Carolyn about at length over many years. So, you know, this um, sort of the zoning that we have in place now has has been been worked on and moved through not just the planning department, but um, also the planning board, but of course the city council. So multiple city councils have looked at this and worked on it and tried to figure out how we can create more housing. Um, and including and multiple mayors as well. So this has been a, an ongoing discussion that um, has been really supported, not just by administrations, but um, by everyone's elected officials. And you know we are in a housing crisis, um, and we know that creating denser housing closer to downtown environmentally is. Um, is the right thing to do. You know, we for decades we built out and we built into open space, and now we know that that really you want denser housing um, that has a, an incredibly important um, environmental positive environmental impact. So, um, so this is something that you know Carolyn has worked on, and we talk about and we talk about people's concerns, and um, she has engaged with people for years around this, and and you know we're always open to having discussions, but. You know, this is really something that that many, many elected people and people in the city have been working on to um, to create desperately needed housing at every level. Is there, in your judgment, a need for a revision to the uh, Northampton zoning ordinances and ordinance or ordinances in terms of uh, uh, new building, uh, new construction? Um, or is this question of infill now set and it's going to be a project by project uh, consideration by the planning board, the zoning board of appeals and the city? Well, like cities, zoning is, or, you know, cities are always changing and evolving. Zoning is always changing and evolving. So, you know, I think it's an ongoing discussion about what, whether there are tweaks that should be made. Um, and you, that's, that's how you want these discussions to go, right? You want this to be something that is constantly changing. If a city is stagnant, then it dies. So, um, you know, I think we're all trying to adapt to the climate crisis and adapt to um, different kind of changing situations in terms of what what's needed, where it's there's a nationwide housing shortage and certainly one in the Commonwealth and definitely one in Northampton. So these are all factors that we're constantly looking at and trying to figure out how to move forward. A final question on this, if I might, Madam Mayor, and that is, what uh, is your response to people who say, well, infill is a great idea, but here in my neighborhood, um, we like our traditional uh, single-family houses or two-family houses, and uh, if you're going to put a, uh, a well, a, a structure with a lot of units in it, uh, it's going to uh, negatively impact the uh the neighborhood that has existed for decades. And that, that is an argument that's come up a number of times recently in Northampton. What's your response to that? One of the things that I love about Northampton is that it's in no way cookie cutter. If you look at any of these neighborhoods or streets, any of them, we have a variety of housing and types and sizes 
and um, designs. And I, I know that change is really, really hard for people, but um, I, you know, I, I never want us to be a kind of community where we, everything is gonna look the same. That is not who we've been in the past and it's not the direction I think we should, we should move going forward. Um, so, you know, we're always happy to look at things and have conversations, but um, things, you know, we need to adapt. And sometimes things are gonna look a little bit different. Um, and if there are actual impacts, we look at them, but for the most part, you know, I, I, I try to have us not be driven by fear of the unknown. Let's turn to another topic if we might. And well, the topic is, is Monty going to just scowl at me because I'm not taking is the break at the appointed time? Is 10 years going to break at the right time <laughs> it's not instead 10, of blaming it, me it's for telling him it's time to break? Okay, we're going to do it. We're going to make Monty happy and we'll be back more with the mayor of Northampton right after this. This is Bill Newman, WHMP. I'm not sure if opposites attract, but most couples differ greatly in their views about household finances. I'm Frances Rayum, the money doctor, with Hug Your Money. Money is a very volatile topic, and most seem to either argue about it or rarely discuss it. A sort of division of labor emerges, one partner becoming the steward of household finances, the other less directly involved. This arrangement may work until a stressor is introduced, college expenses, budgeting issues, impending retirement, etc. That's when sparks can fly. Each person's perspective is quite different, and it's likely only a short-term solution if any will arise. The HUG plan presents an easy-to-follow, long-term solution that helps get both partners on the same page, alleviating stress and inspiring them to manage their finances successfully. I'm Frances Ray, I'm the Money Doctor. We now offer advanced tools and financial coaching using our patented system, all under one umbrella. For more information and to schedule your free consultation, visit our website at HugYourMoney.com. 586-1000. Good phone number, right? It's the number Whalen Insurance got when we opened in 1961. It's still our number more than 60 years later. If you need an insurance quote or have a claim, just call 586-1000. We answer the phone, ready to help. That's our pledge to you. Until now. Now when you call, we'll answer. And if it's something clerical or routine, like an address change, we're going to transfer you to the Arbella Insurance Call Center in Quincy. You'll be connected with a real person there, too. You won't be entering your policy number on the dial pad. The Arbella Call Center. I told myself Whalen Insurance would never do this, but insurance agent friends all over New England tell me it actually works really well. So we're going to try it. And if it doesn't work well, I'm sure you'll let us know by calling 586-1000. Whalen Insurance. Local people, local service, local insurance. In partnership with Arbella Insurance. Hi, I'm Kate Kelly, public health nurse with the City of Northampton. The Northampton Health Department is holding vaccination clinics in Northampton and other locations in the region. Outdoor walk-in availability has reopened at the Northampton High School. Dates, locations, and appointments for all clinic sites can be found at the City of Northampton website. Go to www.northamptonma.gov 
and click on vaccine clinics. The clinics continue to offer Pfizer, pediatric Pfizer and Moderna vaccines and in special situations, Johnson & Johnson. Clinics will also offer boosters to anyone ages five and up. The COVID vaccine is free for anyone from any community. Please bring your vaccine card and insurance card. If you do not have health insurance, you can still have a vaccine. Public health nurses are available at every clinic for your questions or concerns. Booster shots are one more layer of protection against COVID-19 and they prevent a huge number of people from needing to go to the hospital. We want to protect our most vulnerable or simply unlucky neighbors from getting the virus. We can't afford to let our guard down. This is Bill Newman, WHMP. And on this Mayor's Monday, we continue our conversation with the mayor of Northampton, Jean-Louis Shera. Madam Mayor, I'd like to ask you about summer here in Northampton, and I'd like you to put it in the context for us of economic development. I was riding my bike. My wife and I were riding our bikes. We went past Look Park one evening last week. There was a concert going on. There was just large crowds, you could tell, from the number of vehicles that were there, and we rode back downtown, and salsa was going on in the park mm -hmm. here in downtown Northampton. It seems that there is a lot of uh, music and uh, uh, events that are happening in Northampton during the summer. There's an economic uh, part of considerations for that, and I'm wondering whether you could tell us what the city is doing to encourage this kind of uh, activity that not only is great fun, but also is great for the economy. Gladly, and I'm so glad that you have been enjoying it. Um, yes, I feel like summer has been buzzing in Northampton. I was just walking around downtown last night um, towards the end of the sidewalk sales and there were just people everywhere. Um, there are a lot of, you know, so we have, as you said, salsa. There's salsa in the park, in Pulaski Park. There's salsa at Masonic Street Live on Mondays. So tonight, go over to Masonic Street Live, which is um, behind in that Masonic Street lot um, behind Main Street, and you can get some salsa lessons. Um, Summer on Strong is just, you know, absolutely booming. People are loving it. You, uh, I had the opportunity to bring someone past there who'd never seen it before, and as we turned the corner, she literally gasped. It's such, um, it's such an amazing oasis um, downtown. So there's. Um, you know, we've been working really hard to program the space and create these sort of community events and spaces um, and make sure that people are are just drawn to our fantastic downtown and our restaurants and our businesses. Um, summer is such a special time here in Northampton. So I'm glad that everyone's enjoying it. Um, keep turning out. And, um, you know, I have a really great economic development team here in the mayor's office and they have been really working hard. They've been getting grants and working with the DNA um, and the chamber and, and just creating these sort of special um, experiences in Northampton. And I'm, I'm really excited to announce something that was beloved um, in the past that is coming back in September, which is the Taste of Northampton is coming back uh, September 10th from 11 a.m. to 8 p.m. We have around 25 restaurants who are gonna be participating. Um, and we are gonna be, um, it's gonna be a little bit different than how it has been in the past. We're actually closing down part of Main Street. So from Old South to Main and King to Pleasant um, for that day. 
for uh, the Taste of Northampton. And so we're really excited about that. It's sponsored by the city. Um, again, my economic development team is amazing and they have, uh, they secured a regional economic development grant for $50,000 and they're working with the DNA. And I know this is something that people have been missing. So I'm really excited to be able to bring it back. This is September 10th? September 10th, yes. 11 a.m. to 8 p.m. Okay, I'm searching desperately for a calendar. What day of the week is it? Thank you. Thank you. Um, well, while we're on economic development and all the things going right in downtown, I think we should pause for at least for a moment to ask the question that uh, I've been asking uh, many people for, uh, well, since COVID struck and since the consequences of that were clear in Northampton. What about the uh, empty storefronts? Any progress on that front? This is your favorite topic, Bill. Mm -hmm. um, there actually is, but I, I can't announce there is some progress. So I am glad you asked. Um, so we actually are applying for what's called a vacant storefront district um, to be a, a vacant storefront district. And um, if we are accepted, what, what that means is that um, in there will be two incoming businesses will be eligible to apply for tax credits from the state that are then matched by the city. So incentives for coming in and um, creating a business here. So two, there it would be the potential for two businesses a year um, to be able to take advantage of that. So we are applying for that, and we'll you know if uh, if that moves forward, we will certainly let you know, and we can have that be a topic where we can kind of delve in a little bit more about what that means. But yeah, but so there is some some movement on that, but also, um, you know, I always point out that we have brought in more businesses than have left um, in the past year. So, um, you know, there's there's still some that have been empty for quite a while, and we're always looking to fill storefronts. But we have a net positive on that. I'm curious, Mayor. Do you know of any other communities in Massachusetts that have taken advantage of this vacant storefront district, and if they've been successful? Um, I know that it's it's I don't. I don't have a name of one on the tip of my tongue right now, but um, I, I, we could get you one. But it's it is a program that um, is in existence, so uh, I, I there must be one out there. So mm -hmm. I'll, I'll get that for you. Great, uh, Mayor. I'd like to know in the couple minutes we have left what you might tell us about the uh, new school year that is about to begin. Uh, there has been significant uh, change in the. Uh, ranks in the, in the higher uh, echelons of the, the school administration. Is Northampton ready for the new school year, and what changes do you see coming? And I guess, and, what's, um, and what, yeah. what, what can you tell us about the, the principal and the uh, acting superintendent? I am very happy to talk to you about that. Uh, it, it, first, though, I've got uh, I've got some information, fast-breaking, um, to answer your question, Monty. <laughs> so both Greenfield and Holyoke have um, have used that okay. uh, program in the past. Um, so the interim superintendent, her name is Dr. Janelle Pearson-Campbell, um, started a couple, I think she's in her second week this week, I think. Um, she has begun. We are so thrilled to have her. Um, and she is just going full steam ahead. So, um, you know, there, there, in addition to the superintendent, there's some other key positions that need to be filled. Um, the school committee on Thursday 
uh, authorize the superintendent to negotiate with um, a candidate for the business manager position. That's the key um, financial position in the, in the school district. And so that is happening. And I, I think that we are working with, um, we've offered a curriculum um, director position to somebody. So Dr. Pierce Campbell has, is going, you know, just kind of gangbusters and really um, filling some of these important positions and starting to get us ready for the school year. So we, and now she's gonna move towards, you know, looking at some of the vacancies that we have in the schools and, and um, figure out, you know, some, to how to sort of stabilize some of those positions that have been, um, that have been recently made vacant. So um, she's, we're, we're thrilled. She's got so much energy and um, has been meeting with folks and um, everyone is just, uh, everything I've heard and all of my interactions with her have been fantastic. So we're really, we welcome her to Northampton and thank her so much. We're gonna leave it there. And next month with the mayor, we're gonna talk about uh, Storefronts? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> of course, we have to. We're going to do that, and we'll talk more about uh, the schools as well. We thank you, Mayor Jean Louise Scherer, for being with us every month. We really appreciate it. Mayor's Monday next month would be Labor Day, so we're going to have to reschedule that. It'll be May Mayor's Tuesday or Wednesday or something like that. But thank you very much for being with us every month. We really appreciate your time and your leadership. This week's Shop Tuesday is Cocina Lupita. This Tuesday at 9 a.m., Cocina Lupita releases certificates for their restaurant in Greenfield. Cocina Lupita is a family-owned food truck in Greenfield serving traditional El Salvadorian food like pupusas, tacos, burritos, agua frescas, and more. And this Tuesday, you save 30%. Cocina Lupita in Greenfield, available this Shop Tuesday at 9 a.m. on the Shop 30 store at whmp.com. Northampton Neighbors is free of charge and open to all with a range of social and volunteer opportunities as well as services and support for members 55 and older in the city of Northampton. Need help? Want to help? Join us as a member, a volunteer, or donor. Northampton Neighbors is about more than aging in place. We're about engaging in place, this place. Find us online at northamptonneighbors.org or call us at 4 The only live and local talk in the Valley and for the Valley. WHMP Northampton, WHMQ Greenfield, a Northampton Radio Group station. It's 10 o'clock.